This is the Arts and Fishers podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. I remember the night, November 19th, 2004, very well. My twin daughters had friends over at the house, so Dad was relegated to his small office with his small TV. I knew the Pacer game was on and was being played in Detroit, so I started watching the ESPN broadcast. What I witnessed that night on my television screen was seen all over the world many times. It was the end of what had promised to be a championship-contending season for the Indiana Pacers and a defining moment for the NBA for better or worse. I watched a new documentary film all about what has been labeled as The Malice in the Palace, that basketball game played in suburban Detroit, Auburn Hills, to be precise. Since November 19th of 2004, Pacer players Jermaine O'Neal, Stephen Jackson, and Ron Artest, later known as Meta World Peace, have said little or nothing about what happened in that game November 19th of 2004. They have now cooperated to produce this documentary film, Untold, Malice at the Palace, and it's now available on Netflix. It is clear the players trusted director Floyd Russ to tell this story from the Pacer-player perspective, one that has not been told before. The video clips played and replayed by ESPN and lots of other media, inside and outside of sports, appeared to play into a media narrative that the Pacer players were thugs, part of a hip-hop culture some players were buying into at that time. Yet, when you listen to the story, as told by Jermaine O'Neal, he and his teammates were the ones being attacked by the crowd. O'Neal's story was that he was defending himself against an angry bunch of fans in a place where the arena did not have enough security to protect the players. It should be noted that this game was almost over. The Pacers had dominated the Pistons when things got rough between Ron Artest of the Pacers and Ben Wallace of the Pistons. That's when a fan threw a beer at Artest, sent Artest into a rage and into the stands looking for the perpetrator. Turns out Artest went after the wrong guy, but that's another story. The documentary talks to those at the game. Reggie Miller, O'Neal, Artest, and Stephen Jackson. Pacer president Donnie Walsh talked about what went wrong. They all talked about what could have been. The Pacer team was destined to be the number one contender for the NBA championship that season, and it all went out the window. The league had to react to all the bad press, much of it unfair from the perspective of the Pacer players. Our test was suspended for the remainder of the season. O'Neill and Jackson got record-setting suspensions. The season that could have been had slipped away. The big question, does this documentary tell the story? Well, my answer is yes. Finally, the story can be told from the Pacer player point of view, and director Russ does that very well. I give Untold, Malice at the Palace, a B-plus grade. If you have Netflix, watch this film. It is for sure one basketball fans will like, 
and I would argue non-fans will still be riveted by this story. And here's a special addition to this review. My podcasting partner, Adam Austin, snagged a Zoom interview with Jermaine O'Neill about this documentary. It's a little over 20 minutes in length, and you can listen now. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Austin with the Film Yap and Grade A Movies, and we have a very special interview today. You may have seen my review of Untold Malice of the Ta- Palace a new Netflix documentary that is set to premiere on August 10th. Well, today we have a special guest who is featured in the documentary that um, focuses on the uh, Pistons-Pacers brawl in November 2004. Pacer, welcome, Jermaine O'Neal. Thanks for having me. So first off the question, this was a topic that you kind of hesitated to talk about for many years. I know the media had asked you questions and you were kind of reluctant to relieve, relieve the situation. What made you want to kind of discuss it and kind of get your side of the story out now? Well, some of it was, you know, just simply, um, you, know, you just get get tired of it. And, and to me, I'm just wondering why this thing is, is anniversary every year. And you're talking about 17 years ago. Um, I've been looking for about 10 years to, you know, put together a doc uh, that really spoke in depth uh, about that particular night uh, and not just the night leading up to the night and really post, you know, post that night. Um, and I've been, I was very fortunate enough and I got to say a big thank you to Netflix for letting us be a part of this incredible series of untold uh, sports stories. Um, you know, and thank the Way brothers, uh, Floyd Russ, who's the director who did a phenomenal job. You know, the idea was being able to put together a doc, not really for the avid basketball fan, but for the person um, that's in, you know, in a corporate boardroom office or in a neighborhood that isn't an NBA fan, but knew about that particular night. And I thought, you know, I thought, uh, you know, Floyd did a great job on capturing, um, you know, the vision. And I want to say thank you to everybody that, that allowed this to happen. So I'm a big basketball fan and basketball fans like to always talk about the what ifs in sports. What if Len Bias doesn't pass away? What if Jordan doesn't play baseball? What if the Trailblazers would have drafted Jordan? Jordan's involved in a couple of them. Uh, but one of the big questions uh, kind of with your career is what if that beer doesn't get thrown? What happens? What ha- Does the Pacers win the title? Are di- people's careers looked at differently? Do you kind of think about that? And what do you think would have happened if that night never occurred? Well, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to comes to mind is, is, you know, a championship, right? So, you know, we were built for that. Obviously losing in the conference finals year before and being so young and talented and not necessarily knowing how good we can be and finishing, you know, with the best record the year before. But, you know, after we lost, we knew that we we had, we were good enough. And then obviously bringing Steven Jackson in was kind of the missing piece. And we knew that to a point where I had the team come back a month earlier before training camp to get started because we knew that this was our year. So, you know, obviously there's no guarantee in sports. A lot of things have to happen, right? Um, and the synergies have to be there. But uh, we felt like, you know, we were built for the championship. And at the time, we had the best record in the league again you know, when, that, when the brawl happened. So a lot has changed since that night. I think sports have changed in many ways. I think there's a, a, a different attention upon mental uh, illness and, and mental health. Uh, it's obvious. And I think he's been outspoken that Ron Artest was dealing with some mental health issues. Um, and then also fan conduct has been under the spotlight. I know that, uh, Russ, Russell Westbrook, you know, was talking about fans yelling things at him, people throwing coins and 
and uh, the NBA trying to crack down fan behavior. Do you think if this incident were to happen today that the media would cover it differently? Um, I think I, I would think they're probably the same way, to be honest. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, uh, and I say this uh, respectfully, and if, if you look at the doc, you know, some of the most um, beloved and, and respected uh, media um, analysts um, said a lot of things and it was like quick to judgment. You know, the problem I think sometimes in media is like, you know, everybody gets to piggybacking off of what somebody else said. Right. When, you know, the, you know, the job is to get all the information that you can get before you speak on um, on a situation. And um, I think I think it probably be highlighted even more now with social media and everything that's going on. Um, but, you know, it's one of those it's one of those scenarios where that and that's why it was important for me to get everybody that was involved you know, in the dock so they can have the pain. Obviously, Reggie was in and he did a phenomenal job of telling, you know, telling his version and his side of the story. And also, too, I want to say, you know, mental health, right? It's, it's so front and center now uh, in our world when it comes to people and athletes, entertainers, whatever it may be. And that's just something that just wasn't talked about, you know, back then when I was playing with Ron. You know, we knew that he had a psychiatrist, but we didn't know what was actually a diagnosis. And you have to understand, you know, if you're a fan and, and you're listening to this, you know, mental health back then was like a, it's like tearing your ACL or your Achilles, right? It's like a death wish for a career in, in athletics uh, because nobody wants to be associated with that. So I thought the Pacers did a did a nice job on keeping that, you know, close as much as possible. Um, but from a perspective as a teammate, you know, I'm taking it as in, you know, you know, he's not showing up to things. He's he's he's, you know, he's quitting one week. He's rapping the next week, and I was very uneducated about anything about mental health. And you know what I know today versus back then. You know, I wish I would I would have had a, more information because I could have been a better teammate, right? I could have been a better brother. You know, when it comes to you know bringing him in the foxhole and not necessarily being as angry and upset with him, uh, you know, thinking that he was wasting our time. Um, and efforts, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So, um, you know, also to Ron, I thought he did a phenomenal job in the doc on talking about his struggles. And Adam, I think it's important as well to know we shot the documentary, myself, Stephen, really any of us that was in the doc never shot together, right? It was all shot differently, you know, different times, different locations. And so the first time I seen the rough cut of what Ron said, it was like a wow moment, right? Because I never have spoken to him about that. He's never spoken to me and I never really seen him spoken, you know, just speak openly about, you know, his, you know, the five count, you know, being able to, you know, deal with adversity and how he acted adversity, but it all made sense after, after a period of time. So I got to say, you know, you know, big ups to Ron Artest for, you know, being so open and candid and honest uh, in this particular doc. Uh, About fan conduct. What do you think the NBA needs to do to kind of uh, rein in some of the fan behavior? Do you think sometimes it does cross the line and and what can be done? Well, you know, honestly, fan conduct has been that way for years, for decades. I remember I remember going through my case, um, you know, um, doing the process of, you know, after the brawl. And, you know, I had to end up going to court and you know, I ended up going to court uh, against the NBA to get reinstated. And that's something that I want to talk to you know, talk about as well. Cause I don't, I don't think people even know about that, 
but one thing my lawyers did was they started breaking down fan interactions, you know, um, with players and, and, you know, whether it's in the stands, whether it's on the court. And that's really been a thing forever. Now, the, the thing that makes sports sports is fans, correct? Um, you know, they create atmospheres that is good for the home team and they create atmospheres that is just rough for the weight team. And it's a great relationship um, that needs to be had. And I think for the most part, it's been, it's been really good. I just think that at some point, people have to realize that we are humans as well. Right. And it's entertainment um, at its finest. You know, when we own these playing surfaces. And it's, it's, it's a fine line that you can you can you have to ride because when you cross that line, it can create, you know, scenarios that can be very dangerous for many people. So I was a newspaper. I was actually was a crime reporter for a newspaper when I was came out of college. And one thing I was always told is if you cover the arrest, you've got to cover it all the way until the legal action is done. But a lot of newspapers, a lot of TV stations don't do that. They show the guy in handcuffs. But they never find out, oh, wait, he was innocent the whole time. And now his reputation is ruined. Um, did it frustrate you that uh, you were eventually um, cleared by the court, uh, that that didn't get the same media coverage as the original incident? <laughs> you know, everybody wants to talk about the, you know, the situation, you know, whatever happened, but never want to talk, you know, talk about, like you said, the end, the end part of it. And, um, yeah, honestly, you know, to a point, you know, as a player, um, you're very educated on the importance of, of the game, right? The game has uh, awarded us to, you know, to do, you know, things that we couldn't have possibly dreamed um, that we can do, right? You know, playing, you know, playing against some of the people that you grew up watching, you know, making millions of dollars, um, you know, creating generational wealth. Um, and when something like that happens, you know that it's a fallout that, come, that comes with it. And I understood it, right? The NBA was under great pressure, um, to make decisions. Um, and that part I understood, right? Uh, we were kind of toxic at the time. Um, the, the part that I did not understand is over a period of time, you know, it was information and tools out there to be used. Uh, but I think it was such a, such a bad situation from a public standpoint that they chose not to. Right. And I use my my situation, for example. Right. When when I you know, I go to I take you know, I take the NBA to court um, to get reinstated because I felt like I had the right to do what I did. Uh, we go through arbitration and we get to finally get to a federal judge in New York. And, that you know, we get to the federal judge and the judge is allowed. You know, he he wants to see all 28 angles of what ha what actually happened. And so, you know, one thing that people don't know is that when you see me sliding over there, you know, and, and hitting somebody, I a guy had just came from, you know, I had just got a guy off my back. He came from behind me, grabbed me around my neck. And you have to understand this. At that point, it was fans everywhere, right? And they were trying to hurt us, right? And so at that point, once a person touches me and around my throat, and there's no reason for anybody to be around my throat at six foot 11, right? I then get this person off and I look to my left and I see Anthony Johnson, who's if you look at the clip of me sliding in there, hitting the guy, he has on the brown suit with the with the cast on his hand. Well, the guy that I hit is standing over him. So at that point, it's about cleaning up everything that, that comes close to me or my teammates, because, again, it was no security. 
So to go back to the judge, the judge was allowed, I mean, the judge was allowed, you know, to, to get all the footage and then says, I had the right to do what I did. And I think it's important too, as well, for people to understand it. And this doc isn't about alienating any, anybody because the NBA is a special place for me. Uh, the Pacers is a special place for me. I have nothing but respect for the Pistons, right? And their organization. It's about giving real information and being able to move on with our lives. And that's the thing, you know, I was a little bit disappointed over the years that, you know, and especially when I, I look at the Pacers and how much the Pacers, you know, mean to me, that this, nothing was never said about that, right? Um, it is a, it, Adam, it is a part of being a leader that comes into place, right? We walk in those gyms and we expect to play basketball. We never expect to be in a situation where we got people throwing chairs and and, and hitting us with, you know, sticks and, and water bottles. I mean, literally, I'm talking about like water bottles like this, like coming up and just lighting us up. And it's no, it's no, it's no security for the players, right? That is something that wasn't ever really spoke about. Right. That could have easily been a real thing in, beyond that particular case. Um, but I think people felt like um, it was a cool thing to talk about. And the biggest thing that really bugged me out over the years is that it allowed my league to be um, talked about. Um, it became a cultural conversation. Right. You know, the hip hop music and and the thug mentality and and i mean you look at the, the level seemed like coded language to me so it was very coded language yeah and, and i was i was i was extremely disappointed because if you know me you know what i'm about right you know i'm not a guy that is you know going out and and doing all kind of crazy stuff and going to jail and all that stuff um but then you you know you you have to be a face of of people's ability you know of people's um uh, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's their you know kind of protocol on how they report things, but it just it just it didn't feel right. And this and this you know doc gave me an opportunity um, to talk more about it because again, um, this thing is very you know the NBA, the Pacers, um, the Brotherhood is very special, and it's still for people to continue to talk about it every single year. I wanted to put something out and then be able to just, you know, move on. They can make whatever judgment they have after that, you know, once they see the dog. I mean, it's important for people to note, uh, you know, the fans came onto the court. Uh, yes, Ron went into the stands. He should not have gone into the stands. Uh, but you never went into the stands. You were on the court and fans were coming onto the court trying to fight you. Yeah. Uh, but like a lot of people, I think in jerk news, they they read a headline, they watch two seconds of a thing and they don't always get all the facts before they make their opinions. So that was, that was a clear cut case of it. Um, you know, something that, um, I think everybody that was involved in that, which didn't happen, uh, without a doubt, uh, became a, 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 um, a stigma, uh, in sports. Uh, but you know, at the same time, I would, I would always tell people, um, and I actually told the, the, the prosecutors on the stand, you know, when we we're in court, is if we're seeing all these these chairs, these iron chairs fly, right? And so I asked the prosecutor, I said, look, you know, he asked me, would I do it? Would I do the same thing? Would I ever do the same thing if I was put in the same situation? And I said, absolutely so. I said, because at that point, I am protecting myself in a basketball game. That should never even be a thing, right? You know, again, you, you can have a conversation 
you know, with with Ron about why he did it, you know, but I'm 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 talking about me in particular. And I asked him, I said, well, what so let me ask you this question. You know, would you be the one that go knock on my door and tell my wife and my kids that their dad has passed from being hit in the head with an iron chair? Right. And and at no point should a player's livelihood be jeopardized because of a basketball game or anything that includes it in that. Like, and, and at no point should the players be left out there for over 10 minutes with all exits blocked, you know, from fans and have to fend for themselves with no security. Like that's that's not really a thing. And people don't really even realize that. And on top of it, you watch the doc, the first people that are getting look to get pepper sprayed are the players, right? In the uniforms. So to me, to really understand that night, that's why this doc was just done so phenomenally. It speaks on everything leading up to it, right? And I think it's important that when you look at this doc, when it's done, ask yourself, what would you do if you was in that situation? Well, I always like to end an interview with something fun. We talked about some heavy subjects. So I want to end on a few fun things, two fun questions. One, uh, your old coach, Rick Carlisle, is back with the Indiana Pacers. Right. How do you think he's going to do with the, uh, this roster they have now? Um, I think he's going to do he's going to do well. Rick is, is a great coach. Uh, obviously, I've had a great relationship with him. Uh, I live in Dallas. So, you know, I've, I've been able to see and talk to Rick quite a quite a bit. Um, Rick is a phenomenal coach and he's going to find a way. Uh, to win. Um, and he's shown that, right? He can win with guys being out of the lineup. Um, and I know, obviously, you know, the Pacers have had a tough run uh, with injuries over the last, you know, five to six, seven, eight years. Um, but he's a guy that's going to get the most out of his players. And I, I think he feels very comfortable about doing that with that roster, or I, I don't think he comes back to Indiana. Yeah, I think everyone says with him being there, it's not a rebuilding project. They want to win now. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think Rick is the one that can get the most out of him. He's a very old school coach. Um, he is a is a no nonsense type of coach. Um, he's a championship winning coach, right? He knows how to win it all, um, and he just has a history of, of 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 being able to get the most out of players. So, um, you know, I you know I was very excited to see that. He, you know, I was disappointed that he he left Dallas, but um, excited to see that he went to Indiana. All right. Well, final question. This documentary does come out on Netflix on August 10th. I do recommend people check it out since this is a Netflix documentary. Jermaine, what is your favorite thing to binge or, or watch on Netflix? I mean, a little bit of everything. I'm actually watching uh, All American right now. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that show. Uh, so uh, it's so there's so much. Right. You know, it's, it's like a variety pack of, of you know, of, of movies and, and documentaries. So um, Netflix is actually my favorite a source uh, for documentaries and movies. Uh, but if you like, um, you know, kind of footballs, you know, sports, you know, scenarios, uh, all American is, is, is a really good uh, series. And as, and I have a two-year-old daughter. So as a parent, Netflix kids option gets heavy use in our household. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Jermaine, uh, always, I've been a longtime fan of the Pacers. Uh, you were one of my favorite players, you and, and Reggie. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still like Ron Artest, even though what happened, he was a hell of a player uh, yeah. and he was having a hell of a season when this happened. So uh, we could always ask what if, but I like to focus on the good memories, all of the Eastern Conference finals and and uh, those fun games and uh, the moments that I have with my dad. 
watching at home or in person, uh, these Pacer games. So you've given a lot of people some fond memories. Well, I, I like to say this too, you know, the Pacers, um, uh, took a chance on an unknown, uh, unproven, uh, 20, 21-year-old and allowed me to grow as a young man. Um, so that's the reason why Indiana would always uh, have a, a special place in my heart. I'd always be a home for me. Um, the community always be, always be a part of that community. Uh, you know, personally, I've never had a lot of time. You know, when I went away, it was um, the relationship, right? It was, it was severed in many ways. And for whatever reason, I'm not even sure why it was even severed. But um, yeah, I never had an opportunity to really, you know, tell the fans just how much they, me- they meant to me and my family and allowing me to, to, to put a footprint uh, you know, into, you know, into the sports world and, and for my career and be able to go anywhere in the world and see that number seven Pacers jersey, you know, everywhere. So I want to say thank you to um, one, the Simons family for allowing me to be a part uh the Pacers organization uh, for all the support, you know, throughout the years, you know, the, you know, the six all-star games, um, you know, and, and then all, all NBA and everything that I accomplished came with the Pacer uniform one. So I have nothing but love and respect for that city. I wish them nothing but luck. I wish we could have brought them uh, an NBA championship, but I, I feel very certain that it's gonna, they're going to get one soon. Yeah, we appreciate everything you've done for the NBA and for uh, Indiana. No, thank you. I appreciate it, Adam.